I don't know if I'm off on this, but check me out on it. The, uh, this purpose thing, the way I think of this purpose is that we're made to honor and love God first. So that's like our first ministry, if you would. And out of that, because we're made to be a temple, actually, of the Holy Spirit, the temple is for worship. And so if that is the first and primary thing that you do, and you do the word of God as he tells you, the Holy Spirit directs you, then out of that comes your path as you're honoring God. So I think of like my purpose is, is that first of all, foremost, rather than some other specific thing that I'll end up doing. Now, does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, I hear you, but I ask you to think of something, to think of something alongside that. Yeah. There's two things in that when God creates things. He create like Paul made the statement. He said he was created, set apart from his mother's womb to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles. That's his purpose. Paul to declare the his to declare the gospel to the Jews. You know, Moses was to deliver of Israel. You know, he spoke into me to preach the gospel. So there's, there's the purpose, there, but there's how things function. And uh, like, you know, um, how things run. And that's, that's where you'll see in Colossians chapter 1 where it says in verse 16 where God created all things. All things created by him and for him. But then it lists off three things in the way that things are created to function. In him all things hold together. Uh, he is to be first place in everything. And it's the Father's good pleasure for all fullness to dwell in Jesus. So in love is also in that fullness. You know, his Father's good pleasure for all fullness in him. I cannot fulfill this without taking things and how God purposed things to function. It's, uh, it's like uh, having a, you can have a perfect gasoline engine, but... If you don't operate that gasoline engine according to the manufacturer's specifications, that gasoline engine will not fulfill its use. You use diesel instead of gas, it'll break down. That is what's happened in the Garden of Eden. Man was created with a purpose to have dominion over the earth. Well, man, how that was the purpose. Well, God, man was created to eat from the tree of life, which was Jesus, which you're talking about. But instead, they got diverted to try to exercise that authority by going to the tree of the, quote, knowledge of good and evil, and it brought death into all of this. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Uh, and I think about the, you know, the, uh, the Hebrews in the wilderness and, and, and going the circuitous route rather than getting across in two weeks' time or whatever because there was disobedience and because they lacked that, you know, kind of cleaving to the Father and just listening to him. Mm -hmm. And then I think of Solomon who had great purpose, and the Lord said, you, you will be, you know, so blessed if you do what I tell you to do, and I will bless you. And, you know, he says, I'll even, you know, because you didn't ask for a uh, long life or kill your enemies, uh, giving you wealth and everything. But then Solomon got off the track and married 
tons of different women and stuff. And so he, he didn't get to where kind of God wanted him to get in a certain way. And neither did Moses because he didn't even get into the promised land. He, he had to look upon it from Mount Pisgah, you know, mm -hmm. and Joshua went in. So, um, but, so that's where my mind was. was yeah, kind of yeah and think about it. You brought up children of Israel. What was the purpose of children of Israel to go where? To the promised land. Promised land. Question is, and question is, how do you get there? Yeah. How do you operate to get there? And that's where I was trying to say to you about yes. that. So, so let's deal with these boundaries here, because um, it's very relevant for our lives. Where do you live? And God, is, those are very important because what will happen is your ministry will function within the places that God tells you to be. And what, that's what happened to me in Big Stone Gap. When I went back to Big Stone Gap, my ministry was still here in Blacksburg. But I get out here in Big Stone Gap, wandering around in the wilderness, and y'all, that's when I was going. I'm preaching the gospel, and literally, I'm serious, y'all. The words would come out of my mouth, and it felt like they were hitting me on the top of my shoes. You know, and so... But because there's no resources there. And so in that place. And uh, let's go on because let me show you some of these things. Uh, uh, go to Matthew chapter 15, verse 23. Uh, no, not take before we go to that one. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And one day we'll go to Matthew 10. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 through 15. Watch this. And Paul's talking about this. He says, But we will not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere which God apportioned to us as a measure to reach as far as you. For we are not overextending ourselves as if we did not reach to you. For we were first to come to you even as far as the gospel of Christ, not boasting beyond our measure. That is in other man's labors, but with the hope that as your faith grows, we shall be within our sphere enlarged even more by you. What is he saying? And he's talking about being an apostolic ministry. And what he was doing was he's going out and he's saying that there are these boundaries which God has given him. And they're, they're, here they're called spheres of ministry. And like, you know, Isaiah and I were talking one time. Isaiah was, you know, you know he's ministering and he's, he's, he's got this call of, you know, in relationship to the wrestling team. Well, the, you know, remember last year, I guess it was, they were, uh, man, they ministered to the track team. And then there was another a soccer team or something like that. You know, and, you know, oh, man, these are awesome opportunities. And I was talking to Isaiah, I go, where's your sphere? Where's your sphere? What has God given to you as a sphere for you to reach to? Now, y'all, it's very important that you don't think like in geographic or like in groups. So, so I mean like groups, um, uh, places or ministries. What's on the, what's in, what is the wrestling team made up of? Huh? What's the wrestling team made up of, Isaiah? People. What's on the track team? People. Question is, who are the people that God has apportioned to Isaiah to reach to? That's exactly right. Who, who, who is God before the foundation of this world created Kairos moments for him? 
And that's where those boundaries are. And we, what happens is we get thinking, you know, one of the most dangerous things for young, young guys going into ministry is, oh, where's my, oh, yeah, where's my boundaries? Oh, yeah. I mean, no, no, where's, I want to do the big ministry. I want to, be, I want to minister to the thousands. You maybe don't want to, bro. Don't, don't wish for what you don't. God ain't created you for. Because, you know, and you want what God has apportioned to you. You know, when we go, when we create, when we, when we create, oh, forgive me for that. When we birth the church, you know, one question we ask is, is like it says in 1 Peter chapter 5, where it says, shepherd the flock among you, and it goes on to say, uh, not, not lording over, but exercising oversight to those allotted to your charge. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders, submit to them as those watch over your souls, as those who must give an account. When we go into a place and we say, are we supposed to plant a church here? The first question I'm asking is, God, are there people in this city, in this place, that when I stand on the day of judgment, I am going to be responsible for their souls? And there'll probably be people I never knew Never knew, but I was supposed to. So, and there's, and y'all, I have been to that place and tried to minister to people that God's going, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? <laughs> you know, and that's so, when God creates these things, when we're talking about, right now we're talking about boundaries in relationship to where you live and boundaries in relationship to the ministries in your life. And every one of you in this room have got ministries. Every one of you. There's people that God has created and called you to influence and to have an effect for. Now, uh, can I backtrack? And I want to remind y'all something I shared last week because I'm sitting here looking at Terry and Lou and a bunch of Burl. How many of you intercessors are in this room how many, you just go, well, I no, necessarily maybe not have touched a lot of people physically. But how many people have you touched in the spirit that when you get to heaven, their souls are there because you prayed for them? Because crazy muglets like me went there on the prayers that you said, Terry Halton. How many doorways were open for me to preach the gospel because Terry prayed for me to get the door open? Y'all heard about the great evangelist that, you know, you know Billy Graham, before somebody go, before he go place, somebody would go in the city and pray. Just lock himself in a room, hotel room, and pray before he came. So, you know, make sure we interpret this stuff not according to man's perspective or to our perspective, but God's. And so when we talk about these boundaries of habitation and boundaries of ministry, you know, you know, Terry's ministered all over the world. But he's only been to one place once with me. You know, he's been some other times, but but he's had an effect all over the world because I know Terry. When I go, Terry prays for me. So, uh, sorry about that commercial. But look with me in Matthew 15. And understand how powerful this can be. In fact, Jesus, Jesus was hardcore in relationship to understanding 
the boundaries in his life. And uh, notice this, in verse 21, Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman came out from the region and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer a word, her a word. And his disciples came out and sent him, keep asking him, send her away, for she is shouting out after us. And he said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So Jesus is saying his sphere of ministry was only to where? The lost sheep of the house of Israel. He did not try to minister to the Gentiles. But she came and began to bow down before me, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to dogs. She said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Jesus answered and said, oh, woman, your faith is great. Be it done unto you according to you as you will. And her daughter was healed at once. See, she reached out and touched Jesus. Jesus did not go into her. Her faith reached across Jesus did not go into her sphere. She came into Jesus' sphere. Jesus would only minister that way. That's what's going on in this past scripture. And so, uh, and I will warn you this. Uh, I don't know if any of you ever step out in ministry, but one of the things that I found to be true is that when I go out into the world in different places and do ministry, and I'll step into a place and I'll minister. And all of a sudden, man, it seems like, man, there's a massive amount of receptivity to what I'm saying. And God, and all of a sudden, it seems like these signs and wonders are occurring. And I'm going, oh, man, maybe it's a call of God for me to come into this place. And, uh, but then all of a sudden, what I've done in the past, I've said, oh, yeah, okay. And so I go there. And then when I get there, it's ugly. And what God showed me was, it's sort of like the battle of the bulge. The normal thing is, is when you're dealing with forces, you know, there's, forces are, evenly, there's resistance, like this. And what I found in ministry is, is what Satan will do is, he'll, he'll give way in your res, his resistance. And so you start stepping out into it, and then guess what he does? He cuts you off. And that's how you get into a place and get really goofed up. So just because I see big things happening or people invite me to come, I can't tell you how many people invite me to come all over the world, literally. Y'all seen people come wandering through here. Oh, Rick, come, Rick, come. No, no, no. When God, and then where God's doing a thing. And so, so anyway, so because you're looking for these boundaries, these spheres which God has apportioned to you. To, to minister into, to speak to. Um, you know, anyway, you can, you can see in your notes there um, how Paul was assigned to the Gentiles. Here's an interesting thought for you. Why did Paul end up in jail? Now, if you notice, you notice this past scripture where it says that A little three, three dot, whatever you call it, three I, three I's or whatever. Most of those past scripture there our past scriptures talking about how Paul's ministry was to the Gentiles. You remember where he got put in jail? Where did he get put in jail? Where did he really get? Where did the whole thing fall apart for him? Where? Jerusalem. Jerusalem's where it started. 
Why? Because he went there, he took a Nazarite vow and started trying to minister to who? The Jews. And if you notice, and was it Acts 20, the disciples said to Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. It says, by the Spirit, they kept entreating him, don't go to Jerusalem. He goes to Jerusalem and he gets his butt kicked because he operated outside. And we'll talk about, hang on, I'm getting ahead of myself, talking about butt. We're talking about created spheres and, and how that you can go places. And here's the question I got is, you know, God calls us all things to work together for good. But was Paul supposed to pin that time in, in jail? He could have wrote those letters from Corinth to Philippi not in jail. He could have wrote them that way. There's a whole question to ask. I'm not saying that's the answer, but there's a question to ask. Because I, I know without a shadow of a doubt, the Spirit of God, he was, by the Spirit, he was being told not to go to Jerusalem. You know, um, Acts chapter 21, verse 4, it's 20, 21. Looking up disciples, we stayed there seven days. They kept telling Paul through the Spirit not to set foot in Jerusalem. Tom Burby, 19, and, uh, 2000 and, 2000 and, 2001, Bud died, my brother died, and I'm going, my dad's saying, come to Florida and get involved in the business, Bud's, Bud died, you need to deal with this stuff, you need to, you need to run, the, run this. Uh, the, the guy who was like a father in the faith to me, Mickey Evans, where Robbie and them came out of, said, Rick, come down here and do ministry training and leadership training. Come on. And, uh, and so, uh, uh, you know, I'm, so Paul and I go down there to look for a house. Burby and Acres up here are praying, and they go, Rick, don't go. Don't go. Don't go. And uh, once in my life, I listen to you, Burby. <laughs> Write that down, please. <laughs> I didn't go. Right after I decided, okay, I'm not going to go, that picture out there in the foyer, y'all, God spoke to me and showed, gave me a vision and showed me him taking a survey stake and driving it in the ground, just slamming it in the ground and says, behold, I've given you authority in this region. So I said, okay, I'm here. And that's when, right, that's right before we, when we bought this, I think we bought that building, this building, and we started ministering here. So God giving us, saying, the sphere, and to operate in that sphere. Um, go with me to Job chapter 1. Here, here's an interesting thing. We're talking about boundaries. Realize that there are boundaries in the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm has boundaries in which they can function and operate. And I, I hurriedly speak these things. In Job chapter 1, verse, this is, Book of Job is one of the misunderstood books, I believe, in the Bible, but also at the same time, it's one of the most comprehensive books in the Bible. You all know how it, how it, how it, how where Satan has come, um, you know, the whole deal about the first part in verses three through um, five, you got the whole thing with the sons and, and Job's heart and all that kind of stuff. But verse six, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present them before before the Lord, 
sons of God there, y'all, are demonic beings. There's angels, uh, they're demonic beings. I don't have time to show you that, but those were literally the ones that are in, in authority under Satan. And Satan also came among them. So what has to happen is Satan is constantly coming in and out of the presence of God. In that place, he's accusing us. But notice this, it says, when the Lord said to Satan, from wherever you come, from roaming around on the earth. What's he doing? What does 1 Peter tell you he's doing on the earth? What, roaming around on earth, what? Looking what? Like a lion, looking for someone to devour. Where, did the, where do you think 1 Peter came from? It came from the book of Job. What's he doing? And the Lord said to him, have you considered my servant Job? That sounds like God saying, okay, go ahead and try Job. Literally, it is in the Hebrew, it says, have you set your heart on my servant Job? And he had. He was out to destroy Job, and he had three major areas to attack Job. One is in relationship to his kids. If you'll notice there, his kids are hanging around each other. Sons and his daughters are hanging around partying. What are they doing? Incest. That's where the first attack came. Second thing is in, first, in, in Job chapter 3. Job makes a statement, that which I have feared has come upon me. And back further in the chapter, you, in, the, in the book, I think it's in Job 23, I may be wrong, but Job starts talking about how he will not turn loose of his righteousness. Y'all, I hate to tell you this, but there ain't one of us in this room that our righteousness, that we can stand in the presence of God and in spiritual warfare on our righteousness. Our righteousness is as what? Filthy rags. The only way to stand is in his righteousness. So all of a sudden, Job's got these Satan's before God accusing 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 uh, Job, and then Satan answered and said, Lord, does Job fear nothing, God for nothing? Has you not put a hedge about him, all that he has, and all that he has on every side, and you have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions? Put forth your hand, touch it, all that he has, and he'll surely curse you. The Lord said to Satan, Behold, behold, all that he has is in your power, only do not put forth your hand on him. So everything that had association with Job, Satan attacked. He attacked his kids. He attacked his kids. And so, and here we can chase a rabbit, y'all. Uh, when we're talk talking about the sovereign God, a lot of things God controls the weather. I want you to notice this here, that all that he has, put forth your hand. And then one of the things that attacked in verse 19, a great wind came across the wilderness. Where do you think that came from? That came from who? Satan. When Jesus got on the boat, y'all, and was going, fell asleep in the boat. He's headed to Gadaria. They wake him up. What does Jesus do when he wakes up? Do you remember what he did? They hit, they hit a storm. They hit a storm. What did, they woke him up. He rebuked the wind. If God was the God who was ordering that storm, Jesus ain't going to rebuke something God has done. And what does he do? He gets there. He, he rebukes the wind, and what's the very first thing he does as soon as he gets to shore? He runs into who? The Gadarene demoniac. That's spiritual warfare. How many times you're stepping into situations? All hell's breaking loose. I mean, how, how many times have I got on an airplane to go overseas that literally, I mean, all hell's breaking loose before I get there? This last trip to Croatia, <laughs> it was it was crazy before me, between, between I left Pembroke to Washington, D.C. 
how many times I had to turn around, I was turning around and coming back to Pembroke to deal with situations of business. I'm serious. It was crazy. How many times I've got on an airplane to go overseas and I was sicker than a dog. I mean, sick. And I knew I was going to be flying 36 hours and I'm sick. Knowing as soon as I get there, I'm at to preach, flying 36 hours, get there, three o'clock in the afternoon, take a shower and go preach for two hours to seven o'clock at night. And then the next day, get up and start ministering for 12 hours a day. I, you know, how many, why? Because I knew good and well when, you, when you're getting ready to step into that place, the enemy is coming against you. I'm sorry, this little commercial. But when we're talking about boundaries, and we're talking about one to understand is, is that first off, you want you to notice the boundaries that God is putting on Satan. He, there was a limit on things that Satan could mess with. And one of my convictions is it was the only things he could mess with is in relationship to the places that where he had a legal right to go. And that's where, I'm talking about Satan now, spiritual warfare. Now, don't, there, y'all, all the problems that occur in the world are not spiritual warfare, okay? You know, for by one man centered in the world, for death, therefore death spread to all men. The world is in the fabric of sin and death. So everything's not demonic. And I, it took me a long time to learn that. I was rebuking demons out of bushes a lot, you know. But, but there are a lot of things that you're facing that is flat demonic. And, that, and you want to go, okay, God. In fact, I, there's some things that I'm facing right now. I'm going, God, what is going on? And I've been praying for wisdom to go, what's going on in these things? What's, what's happening? So, because there are boundaries in the spiritual realm. In Daniel chapter 10, verse 10, that's where, where you see boundaries in relationship to the ruler, the prince of Greece was withstanding, I'm sorry, not prince of Greece, prince of Persia was hindering an angel of the Lord from coming to, to Daniel when he had prayed for 21 days. Prince of Greece was about to come. Um, look at John chapter 11. Notice this one. Um, where Jesus is saying something. that Where I'm talking about boundaries. There are these boundaries that just withhold the sovereign God is operating in to limit the effects of the powers of darkness. Or you are, if not, we'd be flat wiped out. I mean, there ain't no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I mean, Satan doesn't eat your lunch and kill you quicker than anything. But the sovereign God says, nah, nah. And uh, in Matthew chapter 10, I mean, no, I'm sorry, not Matthew, where did I say go? John chapter 11. Remember here, Lazarus is, is sick or, and di he's died at this time. Let me get there, I'm sorry. And, uh, and in verse, verse 8, um, Jesus, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just seeking to stone you. You're going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles. See, one of the things is, is when you're walking in the light of God's presence, there's not a place of stumbling. So when you're doing, you're hearing the Lord to go places. I mean, I remember back, you know, God said, God told me to go to Serbia. Well, when we was, I was, we were going to take all the interns, take group interns to Serbia. Well, just so happened 
That's when a bunch of junk that happened over there and, and the Serbs didn't like Americans too well. So I said, you know, I said, okay, no interns go to Serbia. They all go, all go to Macedonia. I went because I knew that God told me to go there. So I go. Or in, you know, not too long ago when God, you know, when God told me to go to Beirut, when the middle of, when ISIS was, things were ramping up there. God said, go to Beirut. I felt like I was walking in the light. There was no cause or for stumbling. But I want to say this, y'all. Remember, like I said, there's boundaries, limits to the enemy. There are times that things, just because you go places does not mean it all gets peachy. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Well, God, don't let me through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, he'll prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Well, God, like my enemies out. I don't see my enemies, you know. But there are times, I remember one time I'm getting on an airplane in Jamaica to fly into Cuba when, in early 1991 when it was illegal for Americans to go to Cuba. I mean, I could have been arrested from an American to go to Cuba. There were six of us. Didn't know a soul in Cuba. But I'm getting on the plane, a Cubana airline, flying out of Kingston, Jamaica, over to Havana. Never been overseas before, really. That was my first time going. That was a very interesting experience. But anyway, I'm praying and I'm seeking the Lord, and all of a sudden the Lord says to me, I passage out of Isaiah, he says, you'll walk through the fire and it will not burn you. You'll walk through the waters and it will not overwhelm you. I'm going, oh, that must not be from the Lord. <laughs> Let me seek the Lord again. I mean, that's talking about tough times. I've got them here. You know, you're saying, but you're saying, you know, I'm going to walk through the fire. Well, I get into Cuba and I got sick. I did something stupid. It wasn't spiritual warfare. It was stupidness. Violated the number one rule when you go to a foreign country in the Caribbean is you do not drink any water or you do not eat fruit that's in juices. Well, guess what? I'm in a bazaar in, in downtown Havana and I'm hot and I'm thirsty and all of a sudden I'm going through this shopping bazaar and I see this fruit cocktail that looks so good just in juice and water. I ate that about three hours later. Oh, dude, I was so sick. I got so sick they carried me to the hospital, and, but they overdosed me on sulfur drug. Where my body did all kind of crazy stuff. So intense that when I got back to America, I went to see my doctor, in Florida, doc, doctor of the kids in Florida, and he sent me down to Miami infectious disease specialist, thinking that there was something serious wrong. I walked through the waters, but it didn't overwhelm me. God spoke to me ahead of time that stuff was going to happen. He did that in my last trip here in Croatia. He spoke to me and said, I'm with you. And I go, I'm, seriously, when I heard that, I'm like, okay, he's with me. <laughs> and that's when I had those two bouts of AFib over there, you know? So when you're sitting in a Croatian hospital, you're going, okay, God's with me. Doesn't mean you're not going to go through something, but he's what? With you. And so, so when we're talking about boundaries, the presence of God, he'll, he, he will protect you. But there are times that he'll warn you ahead of time. Like he did in Luke 22, he told the disciples, pray that you will not be enter into temptation. How many times, y'all, curiously, how many, do raise your hands on this question, that you've had, start off in the morning and you had this 
phenomenal, awesome quiet time, and you're thinking, you have this quiet time, and you're thinking it's going to be a great day, and all of a sudden, it's one of the days from hell. How many of y'all have had those kind of things? You wonder why? You know, and you think, what did I do wrong? No, God, that is why you had an awesome quiet time, <laughs> because you were going to have a day from hell. Ephesians 6. That you'll be able to stand in the day of evil. The sovereign God is saying, there's an attack coming. There's an attack coming. Do you want to be able to stand? And so, anyway, wow. Dude, how have I done waste this? Anybody got questions? I've been running my mouth. Any, any thoughts or questions? I just guess I'm trying to dump this stuff, y'all. I don't know. To try to give you awareness of how God operates and how the spiritual realm operates and that you can really put a lot of confidence, all your confidence in your God. He is working and to, but we're also in the midst of warfare. Real quick, we've got a few minutes. Let me just finish this and uh, go in the middle page for how the sovereign God has established everything with times. Back in that, in that in that uh, Acts 17, 26 passage where it says that God had... Let me read it, make sure I don't violate it. He made from one every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times. Now, y'all, there are two types. You see on the, your notes there are two types of Greek words, and y'all have already probably heard me say this before, but there's two types of time. Chronos is seconds, minutes, hours, days. There's an appointed time for every event under the sun. Is that, that it, there's a chronos time. But there's the other Greek word is kairos time, and it's got to do with memorable moments, appointed moments, significant moments where things happen and it alters a direction. The cross was, in a, was a kairos moment. And those moments, y'all, that's, when it says there are appointed times, that is kairos. Those are times that God has purposed. You know, Marguerite just went to, you said you went to Costa Rica. Well, I bet you when you start thinking about the last period of time, you were both in California and in Costa Rica, there were these crazy moments where you had with people. And you may not see them the rest of your time on the earth, but all of a sudden, when you get to heaven, you'll hear, or on Facebook, you'll find <laughs> that the effect that you had on that person's life. I just had one, one of those the other day on Facebook the other day. Out of the blue, some, this girl that I have not seen, I bet you, for 20 years. Tiffany, Tiffany um, Burig, who's not Burig, it's Heather's Burig's sister. And she, she put on Facebook sharing how that she's teaching a group of ladies, young girls now, she's discipling a group of young ladies, and how she remembered a couple of verses, how I shared with them back when she was a youth in, in, uh, at CFO, Kairos moment. It happened and all, it had an effect in her life, and all of a sudden it affected another person's life. And so 
That's why I said, you know, either you wait till you get to heaven to get there or you read it on Facebook, you know, so I can say it. So, so pay attention to these Kairos moments. And, and I want to say this, y'all, just share something uh, with you about this. Uh, um, what I found to be true, Kairos moments are not when everything's sweet. The thing I found to be true, the Kairos moments are in the midst of hell. Because Satan knows if that happens, um, that whole destinies get affected. Let me give you an example of this. Go to Acts chapter 7. Um, I'm going to start it at uh, God has this promise that Israel, the Hebrews, will be in Egypt for 400 years. Verse 17, but as the time of the promise was approaching, which God has assured to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied. The time, the Greek word there for time is, is the Greek word chronos. So it's incremental time. Y'all, the year is, year is 390 from the time God spoke that Israel would be, not from the time, but when that Israel is in the time clock of Israel being in Egypt and for them to come out. It's year 390 when this starts. No, I mean, sorry, this is about three. I'm sorry, this is not 390. This is 350. So the time is approaching. And the people increased and multiplied. So when... What will happen is, another, another one of the words for time is here in Kronos, this has to do with season. You know, there will be a season for the promise that God will bring in your life. The, the season is where God starts adding resources into it. And you're going, why is this there? You know, why is this here? What's, what's going on here? And the temptation is, y'all, when this increase of resources come in, that you start going, oh, things are good, and you just sort of enjoy them. You know, you start feeding on the resources. But they're, they're coming in there for a Kairos moment. And so, you know, you know it's like maybe the resources may be, it's like one of those one, five things. I'm not five, eight. Those resources that I showed you earlier. And so anyway, let me go on. It says, um, and there arose an, another king over Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph. He took shrewd advantage of our race, mistreated our fathers so that they would expose their infants and they would not survive. And it was at this time that Moses was born. Kairos moment. What's happening is what happened, they were exposing? They were trying to abort the promise. And so what will happen is right before a Kairos moment will occur, there will be an attempt to abort the promise of God. That's why hell will hit right in Kairos moments, to cause you to abort. And so, so that's why I'm saying is, is that the most significant Kairos moments you'll have with your, with your family, your friends, or, or strangers, is, is when things are at your worst. 
because you're probably facing a storm from hell trying to abort a, a Kairos purpose existence to, to occur. And if you start thinking back in your life, you can probably think about the significant Kairos moments that were in your life. Where I'm, not, I'm thinking of it this way. The, the significant hell moments in your life. And the question I got for you is, those significant hell moments in your life, were there Kairos moments in the midst of them? Were there Kairos moments in the midst of them? Where, where you were going to have the opportunity to alter the very course of other people's lives by some action. It was one of these things here. Yeah, God had created before the foundations of the world. So you look for those, for those Kairos moments to affect. And so, um, um, so it's time to close shop. Uh, I could say a whole bunch more about time. But the sovereign God has created everything with purpose, time, boundaries. And one thing I real quick, I want to speak about authority. Will? Epochs, that's got to do with... Uh, that 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 gets create that gets some, it's either chronos or kairos most of the time or it can be age, it gets used translated one of those three words in the New Testament. Do what? Yeah, in the English, yeah. it gets translated in the Greek. It'll come when you see epochs. I say epochs, or epics, epics. It's uh it. Most of the time I look at it, it's either one of those three things. It's kairos, chronos, or uh, age. So, can be, yeah. When, in English. In English. I, I just want to speak this real quick, if it's okay. So next week we can start on another section. But, but I also want you to realize that you've got authority that God has given you to fulfill all of this that we've talked about. There's the, notice in your notes there, there are these different spheres of authority, six different spheres of authority, individual, family, relationships, church, governments, and spiritual authority. All you and I have to fulfill these things. So, because um, you would never, you could never fulfill destiny without the authority to do it. So, so anyway, any questions or thoughts? Uh, sorry I dumped on y'all. Um, well, well, I haven't. Um, I was thinking earlier we were talking about the sphere, and Paul was speaking about the sphere in which we boast. Sphere, S-P-H, right. yeah. Um, and, and, and I guess my question, and, and I kind of came up with this epic, though, is sometimes the sphere in which God has allowed us to operate from has seasons, that there's a season where you're allowed and, and given authority to operate or to do God's will in a certain area, but then that season can come to a close and, and it changes and, and it will become somewhere else as one of the steps. Uh, I suppose my question is, like, that's part of it. With, in, in your good, good communion with the Lord, does he always make that really clear? Like, hey, like this, this, this was your season here. And he might even reveal to you why that season's coming to a close. I'm just, mm -hmm. from yeah. personal experience, yeah, he, especially like with jobs, it seems like 
I wanted to go back to a job when I got back into the area this year, and then that went terribly awry. And what the Lord kind of told me in the hindsight was that that what there was a time and place for you in that job, but that that is no longer your sphere. Yeah, as I'm thinking now, I just wanted to thank yeah, you for clarifying that. Yeah, most definitely. Most that. definitely. It's good. Yeah. Good point. That's a good, that's a good point. Anybody ask a question or comment? You know, it's kind of yeah, bro. Yeah, okay, I've had enough going, things going on in my life that I know that if I'm not having trouble, I'm probably not doing what God wants me to do. <laughs> Can you say that again in the louder? <laughs> if I'm not having trouble, I figure I'm not doing what God wants me to do. I, you know, I guarantee whenever I do what I'm supposed to do, trouble's there. That's the, the enemy gives me different kinds of trouble, and that's, that messes me up. Otherwise, I'm alert for it. If you're going with the flow of the world, it's going to be smooth. But when you're going against the flow, ew, that's, when you, that's where it is. I remember one time I was walking across campus at Jack State just when I was a student, and I was thinking, oh, it is really awesome life that even the believers love me. I have believer friends, and unbelievers think I'm cool, and it's really cool. And all of a sudden I hear the Spirit of God say to me, if, if you're living right, somebody ain't going to like you. So I go, uh-oh. This is in response to Steve. Looking back at times in my life when it seems that a season is ending or has ending, the grace runs out and it becomes impossible to do. So you think, well, there's no more grace here. It's yeah. gone. It's time for me to give this up. I'm reminded somebody, somebody said to me, the grace is lifting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Good. Any other questions or comments? Well, cool. Well, it's a joy to be with you guys. Uh, if y'all don't mind, I'm going to slip out quick. I've got to be in Ohio tonight, so, so I'm driving to Ohio. So uh, I'm gonna, we're going to get in the car and bolt. So let me pray for, pray for us. And next week we'll get into the sovereign God is granted the freedom to fulfill or violate purpose, time, boundaries, and authority. So, so Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for this time. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that uh, all the gaps and the things that I was speaking tonight, Lord, you would fill. Lord, I pray that you would make application in everybody's life, that uh, live, Lord, individually, Lord, their lives, Lord, how that these apply that, Lord, you have for them purpose. Lord, you have a, you're doing works in their lives with Kairos and Kronos. And, Lord, did also, Lord, there are boundaries, Lord, that you caused us to function in. Not to restrict, Lord, but to, so that your grace flows into those places. And, Lord, that we know where the grace is, like Stephen was talking about in Kay. And, Lord, also... I just awaken, Lord, the authority that you have given us, Lord, to function. And, Lord, that we would take, take heart to this authority, that we would not lay it down, but, Lord, that we would realize you're calling us to function this authority to, to build up, to strengthen, to serve, Lord, to protect. And, Lord, we're accountable for how we function in that authority. 
And so, God, I just pray that the realities of you, the sovereign God, how you set things in motion, Lord, and you're calling us to participate with you in it, to bring about your desired end, Lord, to see the kingdom of God come on this earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, I want to thank you for the men and women in this place and how they've walked with you, God. And I pray, Lord, tonight, Lord, or in, uh, this week, Lord, that in their sleep and their rest time, that you would call moments back in time where you were doing things, Lord, and, and you show them how you had purposed things to work in their lives and you were doing things. So God, that it recognized the signpost in their lives. So God, I thank you so much for them and I bless my brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless y'all. Y'all have a great week. Hey, y'all, y'all get a chance. Be here with Hobbs. I mean, y'all will not be.